Bibles with me and go to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter number 2. I'll let you remain seated this morning, Luke's Gospel chapter number 2. And I heard about uh, three men that died recently and they, they, uh, on Christmas Eve, and they went and were met by, I don't know why it's always St. Peter at the pearly gates, but that's what they always say. And in honor of this uh, holy season, Peter said unto them, uh, you must possess something that symbolizes Christmas in order to get into heaven. And so the first man, he kind of fumbled around through his pockets. He pulled out a lighter and he flicked it on and he says, uh, this represents a candle. And Peter says, well, you can pass through, enter into the joy of the Lord. The second man, he reached into his pocket He pulled out a set of keys, kind of shook them a little bit, making noise with them. He says, these are bells. And Peter said, okay, I guess that kind of works. And he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. The third man, he was really desperate. He was searching around. He couldn't find anything. And finally, out of one of his pockets, he pulled a pair of women's eyeglasses. Peter kind of looked at him. He raised his eyebrow and He said, and just what do those symbolize? And he says, oh, those are carols. (laughs) It's the best I could do this morning, sorry. Somebody give Carol her glasses back. It wasn't that funny. Luke chapter number two this morning, as we think about Christmas time, how many of you like that white stuff that falls from the sky called snow. About five of us. I like snow. I don't like shoveling it. But I like it. And I know as a kid, we always would hope that it would snow on Christmas Day. I remember hearing that song as a kid growing up, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know, you know. Christmas, there's so many things that remind us of Christmas. You probably have things you remember. Maybe you've created traditions for yourself uh, with your own children. I know we always had certain things that we would do on Christmas Day. But God gave me this thought as I was preparing throughout the week and on our trip back. I was thinking about not dreaming about a white Christmas, but dreaming about a right Christmas. I want Christmas to be God's way. And the only way it's going to be God's way is that it's a right Christmas. So we're going to kind of cut through some of the commercialization this morning. And let's look what God's word says about Christmas. In Luke chapter number two, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as his spouse, wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and 
laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was as it was told unto them. We call this passage the Christmas story. Getting Christmas right. I don't know what to you would be right for Christmas. It might be the tree. The decorations, the lights, the cookie and milk could be, of course, presents. Certainly, when we think of Christmas time, we want to be able to get presents and give plenty of presents. I think many times, many of us want peace and joy in our lives. We want everyone to be happy. But I find that Christmas often turns into a very busy time, a time where People seem to hassle, be hassled about things, rushing about, being pressed for time. Sometimes we spend money that we don't have for people we don't like to acquire things they don't even want or need. In our struggle to get it right, sometimes in the end what we do is we absolutely, completely get it wrong and when we do, we make ourselves and others around us very miserable. I know that I've had many times, I'm hoping it won't happen this year, where you stand in those dreaded return lines. I would hate to be one of those people working those return lines. But as I look at the Word of God this morning, I believe God wants us to get Christmas right. God wants us to understand what Christmas is all about. God is not so interested in us having a white Christmas as he is in us having a right Christmas. So how do we have a right Christmas? I'm glad you asked. We have to understand what the scriptures say. We have to understand how Christmas will and maybe has already changed our lives. We have to allow Christmas to be a time of blessing and a time of wonder instead of being a time of stress, 
a time of tension. The passage this morning, as we'll look here, reveals what I would call some elements of Christmas that are absolutely essential if we are to have a right Christmas. I know as a child growing up, there were times where my father would buy certain Christmas presents for us as kids, and I remember there were times when I was young that whatever it was, no matter how elaborate that gift was, that sometimes I would end up playing with the box instead of the toy. You know, I would make a fort out of it, or we would ride it down the staircase or something along those lines. And I always remember, of course, I didn't get it back then, the look on my dad's face like I should have just went and got some cardboard boxes instead of spent all that money. But I, I know that whenever we started having children that I entered into a dimension of Christmas that I had never been before because now I was on the end of giving instead of receiving. We'd go to the store and we would buy Christmas presents for our children and uh, we would get those Christmas presents and oftentimes we would lug those Christmas presents back to the house. Just about like that. And I love these boxes because they say on them oftentimes, no tools required. <laughs> Quick and easy assembly. I mean, if you could see the box, I'm reading it right off the box. And then I would open it up and I would see all these parts. Oh my goodness. I remember one time I bought my children a swing set. I didn't think, I thought the rapture was going to happen before I got that swing set put together. <laughs> I would open these up, and you know, you couldn't, you know, because you couldn't open these presents up in ahead of Christmas time, because if you did, where were you going to put it? You know, because little children like to go through the house and go into the closets. I know some big kids that like to do that too. So here I was as dad on Christmas Eve while all the children are, had their, their, their cells nestled in their little beds and their tummies were full and uh, anticipating what was going to be waiting for them under the tree. And dad was up all night with no tools required, quick and easy assembly. I would begin to pull parts out of the box and thinking to myself, what, am I, what have I got myself into here? And I see all these, these parts here and it just keeps coming apart, but nonetheless, I, I remember thinking, am I, am I going to be able to get this together? Because if, if, if like, got to have this, I mean, without handlebars, it's kind of hard to ride the bike. Let's see here. Well, I don't, I don't need these. Guys don't read the directions or instructions, right? I remember when I put that Christmas, uh, that swing set together that one year, when I got done, I had a whole pile of parts. My wife said, what are you going to do with those? And I said, they must be extra. <laughs> Training wheels. I wouldn't have put those on my kids' bikes. I would, have, I would have just let them wreck it a few times. And that's how I learned to ride a bike, you know. I say, man, you must have been a mean dad. You can ask my daughters. I'd just tell them if they fell, I'd say, just rub some dirt in it. Be a man, is what I would tell them. But you know, if I, if I had this bicycle for one of my children or one of my grandchildren, 
I realize that I've got to put everything, I've got to put the seat on it, I've got to put the handlebars on it, I've got to get the front tire on it just right, because if any one of those elements is not correct or it's not put together right, then it's not going to be something that's going to function the way it's meant to. And can I tell you that if Christmas isn't, if all the elements don't come together, then Christmas isn't going to work the way it should, like that bicycle should. And we've got to make sure if we're God's children that we're celebrating Christmas the way God intended. We've got to have all the right elements when it comes to Christmas. And so as I think about this passage this morning in Luke's gospel, I see some elements that will help us to make sure we assemble the right Christmas this year. And if we're going to do that, it all begins with the first element, and that is if we're going to have a right Christmas, we've got to have the right master. The right master. Uh, you know, you look at this Christmas story, and sometimes people look at the Word of God, and they think of it in different ways. And I, I was pondering as I was thinking about Christmas, and as, as God allowed His Son to leave the splendors of heaven and come to this sin-cursed world, I was reminded of what John wrote in his gospel, how the Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came to this world that he created. This is his world. And when he came, he was rejected of men. But can I tell you, if we're going to have a right Christmas, we've got to have the right master. We've got to understand, and when you look at the story, I'm always amazed because there was a Roman emperor, Roman emperor, who lived thousands of miles away from the scene that we read about this morning, but he issued a decree that all the world would be taxed, and here was a poor carpenter and his wife who was great with child, the Bible records, and they traveled about, about 90 miles from their home to to go back to the place of their ancestors, to go back where they had to report. And uh, while this was going on, the Bible says that there were shepherds and they enter this, this account and they just happened to be tending their flocks on the hillsides just outside of the very town that this couple comes to, to be taxed. And while the shepherds are there, these angelic beings come and they they show up at the right place at the right time and they have the right message. Christmas is a, a time that could be fantastic, but listen, it also could be a time where Christmas can be a flop. And, and listen, as long as we know who is in control of our lives, then Christmas will be what Christmas should be if we have the right element, if we have the right master. So you can't get everything that you possibly want for Christmas and listen, sometimes even when we do, we're miserable if we don't know him. But if we get absolutely nothing and we know him, listen, Christmas can be a time of great joy because we have the Lord. Our life is based on our relationship with God. God is the one that is in control. He's directing our paths. We can rejoice. Listen, it doesn't matter what comes. And a lot of folks have said to me, Pastor, how did the week go? How did things go? Can I tell you, listen, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Look, we have a lot to be thankful for, and it all is because we have the right master. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Aren't you glad God's ordering your steps today? I hope the Lord is 
ordering your steps. If you have the right master, God's in control of your lives. God delights in your way. When you have the right master, you're on the road to having a right Christmas. And the question this morning is, as you try to assemble the right Christmas is, do you have the right master? Who's in control of your life? Are you the one calling the shots? Or have you opened your heart at some time in your life and invited Jesus in to be your Lord and Savior? Is he the master of your life? You see, Christmas, having the right Christmas begins with having the right master. But as we have the right master, it also has another element. We need to also have the right miracle. Now look what it says in verse number 7 again in Luke 2. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So many people have no time, no space in their hearts still today for Jesus. It's sad. It's sad how how the world goes by and they really don't understand what Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas is all about. You see, the true spirit of Christmas is not the Christmas tree and it's not the tinsel on the tree and the gifts and the glitter. It's not even family and friends. The true spirit of Christmas is the birth of a baby and not just any baby. The baby that was born, that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, was God in the flesh. God, his own son, Isaiah said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. John recorded that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, he says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul wrote to those in Philippi, and as he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about this very fact of the incarnation of the Son of God, that he became a man, that he was born in that manger on Christmas morn, that he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was on his mind was that you and I We needed a Savior that we needed to have someone to give their life for us. And only God could do that. So the Bible says, Jesus, who was being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, when we get a handle, when you and I really understand, when we comprehend who Jesus is, our whole concept of Christmas changes forever. 
It's all about God becoming a man to die for the sins of the world. The Bible says he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, the right Christmas. What are the elements of a right Christmas? We've got to have the right master. We've got to have the right miracle. But thirdly, we've got to have the right message. Look at the message again in verse verse number 8. The Bible says there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch. They were just doing their duty. They were shepherding their sheep. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. How many of you want some good news? Can I tell you that, listen, don't turn on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, because you're not going to get any good news. But can I tell you what the good news is? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The euangelion. You know, when I was there, and it it was honestly, it was God. Many of you were praying for us, and I was there as I was saying my paying my respects to my father, whom I love. I called him Pop. I had to kind of control myself because I came back, and when I got back, my, my yard hadn't been mowed for about three weeks, and my wife lovingly says, look at the yard. I said, I see it. That was her kind way of saying it needs to be mowed. So I got the lawnmower out, and I began to mow the yard. I finished, and I weed-eated, and used the thing and got all this, the grass clippings up and my neighbor who you'd have to know him he's quite an interesting neighbor I'm sure you have one just like him <laughs> my neighbor came over in his in his way here's what he said sorry to hear about your old man it was all I could do not to say to him he wasn't my old man I don't disrespect my dad. He was my father. We, uh, my sisters and I, we, we've got along pretty well over the years. They, they're pretty jealous of me because I'm the youngest and the only boy. <laughs> pretty much got whatever I wanted when I was a kid, but it wasn't my fault. I didn't ask to be born last. I didn't ask to be the only boy just happened. It was the divine plan of God. (laughs) And so we were sitting there, and some of you have come from a little bit of a Catholic background, and I was really kind of dreading sitting there talking, going over the details, but nonetheless we did. And uh, the priest, he, he said to my sisters, who were kind of doing most of the talking, I was letting them. I'd say a few things here and there, but the priest said, would any of you like to say something at your father's funeral? And I mean, there was something that started in my big toe and just started to work its way up, and I was wanting to go, I do, you know, but I I just didn't say a whole lot. And My sisters, who are never short for words, said, well, none of us would, but our brother would. 
And so I was like, yes. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to start thinking about that. And then they were talking about some songs and the priest said, uh, and, and, and listen, I, I mean, I was a part of all that. And back in the day, you know, you didn't, you didn't get to interject. You didn't get to offer. You didn't get to do anything. And the priest said, uh, does anybody in the family want to, we've got to pick some songs. And, I, and, and my sisters didn't say a whole lot. And I said, well, my mother loves the song Amazing Grace. And he says, that's a good song. And so he said, well, we'll sing that one. And then he mentioned another song. He said, we'll sing that one if it's okay. And I said, and everybody said, that's fine. And then he said, uh, was anybody in the family like to sing? And I was kind of wanting to raise my hand, not that I would sing, praise the Lord. But my daughters were there. And I wanted to say something, but I didn't. And all three of my sisters said, well, Dane's daughter's can sing beautifully. And he says, do you think your daughters would sing? And I said, sure they would. <laughs> love to volunteer my kids. They love it when I volunteer them for things. And I walked out of there thinking, wow, that's a God moment. I, I don't know if you get that. Maybe you haven't come from that background, but that, that's unheard of. I mean, I've preached on the street corners and I've preached in the prisons and I've preached in nursing homes and in and, and other places and I've preached to people in Baptist churches. I mean, it's hard to preach in Baptist churches, you know, but I've preached to people all over the place, but I never thought I'd get an opportunity to preach the gospel in a Catholic church. I thought, wow, that is God. And so, you know, I had to kind of be careful because I wasn't asked to preach. But, you know, you give, you hang a bone in front of a dog and that dog, he's going to go, he's going to start foaming at the mouth, you know. And so I was supposed to give the eulogy. The word eulogy, the word ology, the end of it, means a word about. So like we have the doctrine of Christology, a word about Christ. So you have eulogy, the, the word ology, or the part of it is to say a word about. The little prefix, the letter E, the letter U, U means good. It means to say a good word about. I hope that they can say a few good words about me whenever I'm gone from this life. But I thought to myself, I'm not going to have a hard time finding some good stuff to say about my dad. But then it's like, the Lord said to me, well, I know it's your dad's funeral, but it isn't about your dad, it's about me. And I got to thinking about that, and I said, Lord, you're right. And how I began it was this. I'm thankful for life, and certainly my life began because I had a father and a mother. They became my parents. They brought, helped bring me into this world. But I said, the giver of life is God. Had it not been for God, I wouldn't be here today. And that's how I began the eulogy of my father. And I think about these, these shepherds as it's recorded here and how they had an opportunity. They, the right miracle came along and they had the right message. And the message was that 
they would, they would, there would be a sign. Look at verse 12. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I thought about how that they were frightened when the, the angel came to them, but his message was a message of grace. God's message still today on Christmas morning is still a message of the grace of God. It's a message of peace and hope and blessing for all mankind. But listen, it's a message of salvation. Notice it was a personal message because not only to those shepherds, but to you today, the Bible says unto you, it's personal, it was powerful, said that a savior would be born, a deliverer. Look, we cannot save ourselves. He came to save us from our sins. It was a message because the Bible says, which is Christ the Lord. The word Christ, Christos, means Messiah, the anointed one, the long-awaited one, the one they had been waiting for for all those years. If there's going to be a right Christmas, we've got to have the right message. And the message is that he came. It was a pointed message that this sign shall be unto you. That ought to be our message. Look, not just on Christmas, but all through the year that Jesus can save us from our sins. God help us. Just like these shepherds. That we've got the right master and we've got the right miracle and we have the right message. But are we telling that message to a lost and dying world? Are we telling them about the grace of God and the peace of God and the hope of God and the joy that he can bring and the salvation that he offers? Do we know the real meaning of Christmas? Is that the message that others will receive in this world as a result of watching our lives are you this morning and every day of your life sharing that message, the right message of what Christmas is really all about? You think about it. God loved us so much that he gave his son. And I know you can say, well, he's God. He knew that his son would come to give his life. And although no one else knew when, the father knew and he knew where. He knew everything that his son was going to have to go through. But think about this this morning. The son would not return the same way that he left. Because when he came back to the father, and by the way, he's seated at the right hand of the father. Today, interceding for us. But something's different. The scars in his hands and feet. What he did for us was indescribable. Jesus was willing to suffer for our sins. And I wonder this morning, are you sharing the message how God so loved the world? If we're going to have the right Christmas... We've got to have all the right elements. That means we've got to have the right master. There's got to be the right miracle. There's got to be the right message. But notice the fourth element is we have to have the right motive. Look at verse 13 of our text. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill 
toward men. I mean, there was a multitude of the heavenly host. And what were they doing? Praising God, glorifying God. Hey, listen, sometime, just give God a little bit of a, a holy grunt when you, when you decide you're going to praise God for what he's done in your life. Listen, for all that God has accomplished, if you are saved this morning, you ought to say, praise God. You ought to thank God every day of your lives. Listen, this is a church. It's a church of the living God. We don't, have to, we don't have to sit in here and just not say a word and not breathe and not be afraid. Hey, listen, when God has done something like he's done in your life and he's done in my life, God deserves all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And this is exactly what they did. They had the right motive. But when Christmas ceases to be about what we can get or give and starts becoming how we can glorify God, guess what? We're on the right track to having the right Christmas. What matters the most to you this Christmas is that you and I should be bringing glory to God. We should not be worrying about keeping all the Christmas traditions. We should find ourselves praising God and worshiping Him instead of being all worked up and crazy about shopping and all the things. We ought to be rejoicing God for what He has done instead of complaining about how hard things have been this year. The right Christmas keeps its focus on God Almighty. It'll bring us to the place where we want to come and we want to bow down and we want to worship Him and we want to give gifts unto Him who gave everything for us. That's what Christmas is all about. Yeah, I think about the right Christmas. And it can't be the right Christmas without this last element. You see, the Bible tells us here that if we're going to have the right Christmas, we've got to have the right ministry. Look in verse 15 of our text and we'll be done this morning. I love this phrase. You find it often in the Bible. It says here in verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned, notice, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They heard the message. But can I tell you this morning, I hope you didn't miss it. They didn't just hear it. They heeded it. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. I wonder if the message is still impacting your life. Well, I've been saved for X a number of years, and I've had Christmas after Christmas. Listen, try being a preacher and coming up with something fresh on Christmas. I mean, God doesn't say, hey, I'll, I'll give you a, a, an addendum in the word of God so that you have something new. No, what, what I do is every year I'll say, God, give me something that I can help your people to understand how very special this time of year is. I think about the right ministry, how they heard it, they heeded the message, they went to Bethlehem, and when they went there, they found Jesus lying in a manger. They believed what they heard. They believed what they saw. They left him in order to share him with everyone that they, look, I, I'm going to tell you something. I would have had a hard time leaving the baby Jesus. 
I would have been like many that said, hey, look, it, it's been so long. I've been waiting for you so long. I'm not about to leave. I'm staying right here. But they couldn't wait to go tell others it was a great way. And look, same thing for you and I. We can demonstrate how much we love him this Christmas by sharing him with others. I stood there in that church on Friday, and I'm looking out over that church with all those relics, and I'm sharing Bible verses. And I'm standing up there going, God, this is, this is all you. There is no way humanly possible that I could be standing up here doing and saying what I'm doing. And the best part is I believe every word I was saying because I know it's truth. See, I believe. They believe. They, God gave them a ministry. And can I tell you that what God gave to them is what God has given to the church what is given to us, that unto us God has given the keys to the kingdom. Look, I'm not Peter. I can't, I can't save somebody. I can't get them into heaven. But the mandate of the gospel is a message worth sharing. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, the third day, according to the scriptures, that's the gospel message right there. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, listen, this morning, can I tell you that the mandate of the gospel is that we need to come and see just as those shepherds went and they saw Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. They came and they saw, and the Bible says in John 1, he said unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. You see, the mandate, yes, is come and see. But listen, can I tell you that if you have come to the Lord and you have seen the grace of God, that it doesn't end there because the mandate is not only come and see, but go and tell. Jesus said in Mark 5, 19, he, he said unto him, go, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and how he hath compassion on thee. When's the last time you told someone about the grace of God? I, I struggled over these past couple weeks because I had had opportunities in the past to talk to my own father. And I know a lot of times because of religion and because of barriers and because of life and because I was his son that oftentimes I thought, well, he's not going to listen. He doesn't care. He doesn't want nothing to do with God. But listen, God told me and many of my friends and my loving wife and many of you, Pastor, you just tell them the truth. You just share Jesus with him. And I'm so glad that I took the opportunity and told him about all the things that God had done for me and how God had changed my life. I mean, listen, I, there were people who came up to me afterwards and they were like, looking at me like, almost like they couldn't believe I said the words I said. Because it was coming out of the mouth 
of someone that they knew was a little devil when he was younger. And there's no other answer for that other than it's been the work of God in my life. Folks, if God has changed your life, if you've had an opportunity to go and see and be with him, then God says, listen, don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. Go tell someone else. Tell others about what he has done for you. The miracle of the gospel is that we should go home to our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and tell them how great things the Lord has done for us. The miracle of the gospel is the fact that it eternally changes all those that hear it and all those that heed it. Listen, it changed the shepherds' lives. They, they were different. The Bible says, yeah, they went back to their sheep, but when they returned, they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said unto him, talking about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He listened to this. Verily, verily, or truly, Jesus said. He said, I say unto thee, except a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, except a man be born again. Listen, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And to this religious man, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Nicodemus thought to himself, how can this be? How can I be born again when I am old? He's trying to naturally put it all together. People say, well, listen, I'm okay where I'm at. I'm a good person. I give to this and I give to that. Folks, can I tell you this morning, for by grace are you saved and through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's not about uh, what you give and what church you attend and who your granddaddy was and how long other people have known about God. It's about you this morning. It's about knowing Christ and having the right master, understanding the right miracle, having the right message, having the right motive. This morning, just as Jesus said to a man that had been raised around religion, ye must be born again. There has to be a spiritual birth in your life. Jesus came to give his life. And you can't do better this Christmas than to share that gift with someone else. That Jesus loves them. That he gave his life for them. Are you assembling the right Christmas? I mean, right now you're thinking, well, let me see. I I went to the store, I got the eggnog, I got the cookies baked, I got the, tr- I got the presents wrapped, they're underneath of the tree. I-, I don't know what all the elements are that you think makes a right Christmas. Don't get me wrong. We're going to have a great time as a family. Some of my grandkids are here. My children are here. I'm looking forward to spending time with them, but can I tell you, All of that would be for nothing if Jesus wasn't a part of our Christmas. Because he is. You see, this bicycle, this present, it's got to be assembled. I mean, I've seen people ride 
something like this before. It's called a unicycle. I'd never try that, but but you've got to put it together. And when I think about Christmas, to me, Christmas is it's it's about having the right master, making sure that you know Christ as your Savior. I wonder this morning, do you know the master? Do you know him as your Savior? I think about the way God brought his son into this world and how we understand that we, we need to understand the miracle of Christmas and what Christmas is really all about. I think about the message. You see, the world wants to change the message of Christmas, what Christmas is really all about. But I think about how important it is that we tell people that his name is Jesus, that he'll save his people from their sins. The right motive. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's your motive for Christmas this year? And then I think about the ministry, how those shepherds, they came. They spent time with Jesus. They left different than the way they came. For some of you, maybe this is the first time in a long time and I'm glad you're here this morning. But listen, can I tell you, we worship the Lord every Sunday. Do you know you can worship the Lord every day? And it's all because of Calvary. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Oh, the blood of Jesus. His blood has washed us as white as snow. You see, if I was dreaming of a white Christmas, it's because his blood was imputed unto us. His blood has washed us as white as snow. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning, do you know the master? Jesus said, you have said it well because you call me Lord and Master. Is he the Lord of your life today? Can you honestly say there's been a time in your life that you have opened your heart and received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus? How many of you, without any reservation, could raise your hand this morning and say, I know Christ as my Savior would you raise your hand this morning? Many hands up all across the auditorium. You can put your hands down. I wonder this morning, God's brought you here to his house. God's given you an opportunity to hear what Christmas is really all about. Don't let this Christmas pass by like other Christmases without really understanding what it's all about. If you're here this morning and you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, why don't you open your heart today? 34 years ago, I prayed a prayer like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart 
and be my Savior. Remember, the Bible says that he will save them from their sins. See, I believe the word of God because God's word says he would save me for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That was me. I called upon him and by faith he saved me. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, right there where you're sitting with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Why don't you pray a simple prayer like I did? I can help you through, but I can't pray a prayer to save you. You have to pray it from your heart. Right now where you're sitting, just between you and God, why don't you pray something like this? Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With our